Welcome to another episode of Big Risk Energy. I'm your host, Roy Samuel. I'm a serial entrepreneur, having founded multiple businesses, including one that I scaled and sold to a gaming company in 2018. I've been an investor for the last five years, and I'm also super passionate about neurodiversity, suffering with severe ADHD and dyslexia myself. On this podcast, we talk to an amazing range of people, from actors to academics, investors to entrepreneurs, politicians, musicians, scientists, and everyone in between. And we talk to these people about risk. Risks they've taken in their lives, risks they've taken in their careers, when they paid off, and when they didn't. And on this episode, I am blessed to be joined by the one and only David Dabier. David is a serial entrepreneur. He is the co-founder of record label CloudX, and is also a musician and producer himself. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate you. So you've done a lot of things. You've been involved with, you've thrown music festivals all over the UK. You've had your finger in so many pies, but where does your relationship with risk and entrepreneurialism begin? Where does it begin? That's a very good question. Uh, I don't really see myself as someone that takes risks in a very, um, I don't know, in a very binary way. Like the idea of risk to me is, um, am I doing something that makes me feel like I'm being authentic to myself? And at the point in which I, the answer is no, that's where I feel like I'm not being myself and that's the risk. That the risk for me is existing inauthentically. Super interesting. So how do you check in with yourself to make sure that, because obviously, you know, you've got such an entrepreneurial mind, it's very easy in this life to allow commercialism to impact authenticity. Yeah. How do you keep that in check? I think by, I don't know if I do keep it in check, to be honest. I think what I do is to think consciously and proactively about not just myself, but about the world around me. And at least that way, when I gaze out and make decisions, I have a considered approach to what I'm doing. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, of course, of course. So what is it that you would like to see in the world around you? Because I know that you're someone who's so driven by mission, by impact. When I was remember when you were doing the first CloudX Festival yeah, yeah. a couple of years ago, how mission-driven that was. I feel like you are someone who is so driven by things that you want to see. So, you know, what, what, what gives you that drive? What do you want to see? What I'd like to see in the world is, I want to see a space and a world where people are self-aware, where they are honest with themselves, where they are honest about their environments, and in doing so, where they're honest with each other and with others. Um, and that's it. Like, it's actually no more than that. Like, I just like when people live, like, honestly, authentically, and courageously, because we're not here for very long. So why I've then manifested that into, um, you know, building businesses, for example, it's like, I just see a space and I say something is not happening in that space in a way that I think it should and I'd like to make that happen. Um, and if that move helps people to feel seen or heard, then that's a good thing. 
So how important is, uh, you know, I like to go super deep. I literally, we ran into each other two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, hadn't yeah. seen each other in a few years. Yeah, it was yeah. like straight into the meaning of life. So obviously I'm going to do that right now. Of course. How important is authenticity to art? Because I speak to a lot of people who are, you know, let's say they're, they're moving across different genres. They're doing things which are true to themselves. But you also see a lot of art, which is incredibly manufactured, which can be very, very successful. Yeah. So how important is that authenticity to creating true art? Um, how do you define art? That's a good question. Um, I guess I don't have a definition of art myself. I guess for me, art is something which is created with the purpose of eliciting or affecting emotions and response. A hundred percent. And when in the world do you feel like you have great conversation with people, great dialogue? When you're being authentic. A hundred percent. That's how important is it? You know, how important is it to be a accurate reflection of a feeling or an emotion? Very important. Like that's how you get close to people. If you're in a relationship, any relationship work or, or um, you know, a love relationship, and the person opposite you is not being authentic or honest, it is very difficult to create real, true intimacy and connection. So that's what art is. Like it's a reflection of an authentic self. And you can see that in stories. Like some of the most simple lines are the ones that have taken everybody by storm. Mm. You know, like Amy Winehouse, and she says, they try to make me go to rehab, and I said, and, and we're all singing along, but she's really telling us a real dark story there. Yeah. But it's authentic and it's true. And people know that feeling of um, being told to do something that they don't want to do or feeling frustrated or anxious or, or angry or controlled, you know, like people know that feeling. Or when Adele says something so simple like, never mind, I'll find someone like you. We all it's have true, that. True words never hit so deep. It's you know? so simple, right? <laughs> it's not like some crazy, not some mad metaphor. It's so simple. But when she delivers it, she delivers it so honestly and so succinctly that we can all connect. So how important is authenticity in art? For me, very important, you know, for me, very important. But it's not because of art, it's because of people. That authenticity in people, connection with people, comes from being our honest and true selves, in my opinion. So it's really, it's amazing answer. I think it's, it's really interesting to hear um, what you say about simplicity as well, because mm. sometimes if, you know, that authenticity is such a key part, then the simplicity comes with it. You don't always need to overcomplicate everything. Of course. And sometimes that's the most accessible way of doing it as well. But I imagine that along your journey um, and seeing all the different things that you've done and if it's running events, mm. if it's running a record label, have you ever felt that pressure to try and conform to something which is uh, more manufactured, which might drive commercial results further? And, and how's the relationship with that changed? Um, I mean, the honest truth is that like, you can't put something out in the world anyway that doesn't have limitations, right? So what I mean to say is, if I want to put out a vinyl, I can only put so much music on it anyway. I mm -hmm. can put a 25-hour vinyl out. I've already got a limitation just because of the format I'm going to put it out mm -hmm. in, right? Um, so there's always going to be certain types of limitations that you have, and you have to accept that and and that's fine, you know what I mean? That like, it's not something you have to beat yourself up over. 
But I also think you have to accept that when you do something for money, whatever that is, there is a commercial value um, that also comes with restrictions, mm -hmm. right? Like, if you want to be a, you know, let's say a world famous touring artist um, who sells out stadiums, it is impossible to do that if you never release music, right? And it is impossible to do that if you never market your music. Mm -hmm. It is impossible to do that if you never buy studio time and, and mix and master. All of these things which come down to money, it costs money. So I think that I look at the limitations we have and then I think about how we can best express ourselves within those limitations. Um, and I accept them and I try to make sure that they don't determine the story. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to make something so that it fits onto mm -hmm. it. But I understand that there is, there's these limitations. And I know, I don't, I don't think about it too much though, but I have to be honest. I'm not that, it's not something that weighs me down too much. When we talk about art and authenticity and you related it to conversation before, I'm not an artist. Mm -hmm. I've created businesses, but I've never... Ooh, I mean, that's so funny, you think you're not art? Well, I mean, I did stand up for 18 months, but if you ever saw my stand up, people would say that was definitely not art, um, or at least an interesting version of art. Mm. But I, for me, like conversation is my art in the sense of that's why I love doing this. I love creating conversation and I love being real with people. Mm. Like, as we said, I saw you two weeks ago, we haven't seen each other in years. We got straight into yeah. what is the meaning of life. And that's, that's for me what I'm, yeah. you know, what I get excited about in my day. But how do you not see yourself as an artist when you build businesses? Um, I guess going back to my own definition of art, it is something that we create to elicit a response. But I think, I don't know, I, for me, I think if you build it for a commercial purpose at its, at its core, mm. then I think it can't necessarily be art. But I'm someone who doesn't think overly manufactured like for me when i look at music now and this is someone as an outsider i see that music is being created formulaically yeah at, because it's going to work well on tiktok mm -hmm. you know there's there are literally farms creating yeah. bits of music mm. and i don't consider that art right we talk about the lack of authenticity mm. so i i you know that's how i see yeah it's funny because i think of i've always thought of you as an artist well, that's the biggest compliment I've had today by far. No, but like, your, to your point about, you know, the fact that you make it for a commercial purpose, mm. that's fine. Because what you're also doing is connecting dots, bringing a world together, and then making it make sense in a way that people, in a capitalistic sense, mm -hmm. want to invest into. Mm -hmm. That means you are really succinctly communicating a set of ideas that's a beautiful thing. Not everyone can do it. And you do it very well. Amazing. <laughs> like, how are you not an artist? I look at you, I'm like, you're, you're a great artist. You're I'm going to change my intro. I'm going to be a serial artist. Yeah, serial 100%. 100%. Love that. Okay, it's a whole new way for me to look at things. So let's, let's talk about risk and yeah. art as well. Because mm -hmm. I think that's something interesting, especially when we live in a society where you know, if you say or do the wrong thing, mm -hmm. that can be you done. Yeah. So how do you see, or do you see at all, that fear of judgment, fear of doing things wrong is impacting the way people create art? 100%. I mean, we have the illusion of freedom of speech. We have the illusion of, uh, 
a world where people will have a platform to speak, but it's illusion, you know, because people just get ripped down in a second. Like, you're not allowed to get it wrong. You yeah. get it wrong and you're fucked. Like, you get it wrong and, and for good reason. Like, mm -hmm. we live in like a, how do I explain it? We're like overcompensating and not deliberating enough. We're like pointing the finger really quickly before we ever look in the mirror. Do you mm. know what I'm trying to say? Completely. And like, that is what, frankly, like social media and, you know, particularly the likes of Twitter has done is, and, and also just the media generally, they get people to make decisions by a polarity. That's when you're, you know, when, when is it you want to eat? When you're starving. If I'm starving, I've got to run out and get food. So they need to get people to the point that they're starving. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That like where they, they have a, a vehement reaction to stuff. So they create polarity. And that means that we're in a space where people don't feel comfortable to get it wrong. And so a lot of the ugly thoughts, the bad thoughts, the wrong thoughts uh, are being created internally and they're not being expressed, which means that people can't be educated. Mm. Like we need to have, and this is my life opinions. It's nothing to do with, I, I don't think I am no, I'm not a, uh, I don't know, I'm just a regular dude just with my own set of thoughts and principles and beliefs. But it's like, we're in a space where like ignorance is a sin mm. and like, ignorance should not be a sin. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's an unwillingness to be educated. Then that's the problem. Mm. Like when people are not open to going, I got it wrong. Tell me how I can do better when people can't be accountable and say, you know yeah. what, I got it wrong, tell me how to do better. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Me personally, like, if I think about my background and how I grew up, right, I had a lot of prejudices and, and biases which were just categorically wrong, but I didn't know any better because of the environment I came from. And it's just simple things that like sometimes, like, I don't know, this sounds mad silly, but like you go to the countryside, I'm black, you go to the countryside, I don't need to tell I'm black, you know I'm black. You can, you know I'm black. I was aware, I was aware. <laughs> you go to the countryside and people ask you silly questions, right? Yeah. You know, like, they don't ask you in London, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, they go to touch your hair or say, oh, you know, you must be really strong. Just mm -hmm. silly little mm -hmm. biases that we've all heard before, right? And some people must be like, You're so, you must be so offended. I'm like, bro, I'm out here, there's no other black people. Mm -hmm. Their only interaction with black people is like a movie or some shit. Yeah. So I'm not offended by their ignorance. I'm, and I'm, I'm patient if they're willing to learn and have a certain kind of dialogue. And like, but they could, if they had that same expression on the internet, mm -hmm. they could be criminalized, shut down, lose their jobs. So how important, I think it's, uh, it's amazing to hear your, your view on it, but so how important do you think uh, increasing representation is then to help educate people on that mass scale? Where, for example, especially in a, a society where people are moving more and more online, their actual uh, experience of the real world around them is decreasing yep. day by day. How important do you think that representation is? And we had um, Niaz before we, went to, we both went to uni with, yeah. and he was saying, you know, the amount of messages he gets from people because they can see what he's done. Yeah. And now people, you need to see it to believe it. Yeah. So how important do you think that is to, to help educate people on a, on a broader scale? Which people? As in like, just everyone. Generally... Yeah, everyone. 
What what would that representation look like? Well, I guess it's a it's a it's an interesting question. I guess for me, where I've seen it, and in terms of like people we've had on this show, is more uh, impacting people and their self belief. Mm-hmm. Seeing people in different roles and saying, "Well, therefore, I can do that because I can visualize." And we talk about sports, mm. uh, sports psychology. One of the main ways of being a winner is visualizing yourself scoring that three points, or scoring that penalty, scoring whatever it is. So I think that's one of the places where representation can really make a difference: is mm. helping people see it to believe it. Uh, yeah, I would 100% agree. That's it's very important. Um, but I also just think that. I would just not have that as my focus personally. Mm. Everyone got to have a mission, and I think representation is a great priority. Like I really believe that. Um, but I think it's always underpinned by empathy, mm. and like empathy takes a creative imagination. Like I don't need to be you specifically mm-hmm. to understand how much work you've put in to get to a certain position where you're running multiple businesses. I don't have to. Um, I don't have to be. I'm trying to say this also about getting cancelled. <laughs> this really, is this is the life we live every day. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I, I do. Like, I don't have to. Like, <laughs> all right, I identify, let's say, as a as a heterosexual male. Yeah. And I have never. I I can't share what the experience of being a you know a queer male is, mm-hmm. right? For example, that. Like, my business partner, Ben, who mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and we talk about this stuff all the time, mm-hmm. but I can empathize with what it feels yeah. like to be judged, um, criticized, yes. um, and treated differently based on something that is very natural yeah. and very just like, it's not even a decision you make in your life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't live every experience, yeah, right? I can't it's live not possible. Every, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I can't live every experience, then I have to learn to create further degrees of empathy. 100%. And like, that's, if you have that, like, I don't have to be, live and walk around in your skin yeah. to know how it feels in some ways yeah. to experience the feelings you have and just to be kinder for that reason. Yeah, 100%. And that's why I think um, it, it's all about capacity for empathy. It's yeah. all about that. We can't all live every experience. Like It's not possible. And that's why sometimes I think um, people do worry about things like Twitter where it's so easy to dehumanize yeah. and to separate you know, the subject from the reality, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where it can get quite tricky, I think, where you, know, you get these trolls who they have no identity because they, they have pure anonymity yeah. and, you know, and they don't see it as humanity. But that's why for me, like, I, do, I do think you know, having shared live experiences, talking about music and the mm. things that you guys create, yeah. those are the things that build empathy. Those are the things that actually build community. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's what I'm thinking. That's why I do it. Yeah. You know, like, I think that I have always enjoyed um, just meeting people that are different to me. You know what I mean? Like, different experiences, different backgrounds. Like, even me as a person, it's like my parents are from Ghana. They mm-hmm. came here, but I was born here. Already, our experience just talking to each other is different. You know what I'm saying? Like, they grew up in a village in Ghana in like the 50s. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Elephant and Castle <laughs> in the 90s. Yeah. Like their first language is not English. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like even that at home, that um, I want to call it, a, it's a, I guess it's a, it's a cultural tension. Yeah. You know, like that cultural tension I found interesting. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I totally, I totally. My mum grew up in communist Hungary. She ended up in a refugee camp for two years. When they got out, there were people living in their house who they just had to share the house with. A hundred percent. That's what it was. And growing up in Northwest London, it's like me and my mum do cannot very much relate to the same upbringing. Exactly. So, but I think that does build empathy, right? It yep. builds that empathy. It builds that fascination in people as well. Yeah, a hundred. And I, yeah, I don't know, man. There's a, there's a lot to think about. We're not going to solve. <laughs> we're not going to solve all the world's problems right. today. We might try to solve a few of them. So going back to your relationship with Risk now, yeah. um, obviously COVID happened. Yeah, yeah. You guys were flying. You mm. had so many big plans, and that yeah. forces a huge pivot. You know, talk us through that. Yeah. So like we were a predominantly live music company for well for most of the time, but we always had these like. Uh, small divisions off, i.e. the recorded section and then the brand partnership section of what we do as a company. And obviously live music overnight, boom. You know what I mean? Zero revenue, <laughs> overheads, and no clear way of understanding when this shit's coming back. It was wild. I was like, I was trying to, I was like, oh shit, I'm actually so untalented. Because I, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I have no idea how to make bread. Yeah. And I started trading. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I was doing the Bitcoin. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Brother, I told myself so much new stuff, yeah. Um, But that was like, you know, it was six months of quiet because like everyone in the world had this space where they were adjusting at the same time. And like we particularly had no idea when live would come back, Mm. how it would come back, if it, you know, if it would ever come back in the same way. And it has changed massively. Um, So yeah, we just, we just adapted, you know, we had a bunch of copyright that we'd grown over time, by which I mean like the rights to some music. Yep. Um, and then we did a deal with, with The Orchard based on our story. Uh, the Orchard's our company owned by Sony. And we just, we wanted an R, a home for alternative music, particularly yeah. in soul and R&B. And we, you know, did the deal and that just got us through the Amazing. tough times, man. It was about adapting, you know what I'm saying? Like, we realized we couldn't do anything live. Yeah. Everything was online, digital. That's where we put our, our focus. And, you know, fortunately, that's also created a lot of value in what we do and has become a much bigger revenue stream in our business in a way that we didn't anticipate or even plan for. So, I mean, to answer your question, because I have a way of riffing. No, but to answer great. your question, we just evolved, we adapted and um, you know, a bird in a hand's worth two in a bush. We Necessity is the mother of all invention, right? Facts, 100%. Yeah. And, and now, I mean, obviously you guys just write an amazing series with Altonet, which I wanted to know more about. And yeah. Because it looked incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was um, It looked amazing. amazing. But now is live coming back in a way that you think this is central to music again? Or has it totally shifted the way you guys approach business and, and you're not going to go back? No, definitely. Live is always going to be something that we do because... It's our heritage that like me and my business partner, Ben Cross, um, who I've known since I was 11 years old, we threw our first party when we were 15, 16. Like you talk about wanting to have a good conversation mm-hmm. as part of your art form, like running a good live show. That's my art form, man. Like I, yeah. I just feel if I'm just like, I just love putting lots of beautiful people in a room together. I don't yeah. believe that. You had me at the first cloud X festival. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're actually very much a part of it, so it should have left you at home. No, but it's like people that have interests and like because what we the music that we platform, it attracts a certain kind of crowd, people that are interested in the intersection of culture. Sure. So to create that environment, yeah, we're always gonna do it. Um, but to your point, um, look, the thing about live is that it's uh, 
scalability. Mm. You can't compare it to anything digital. Mm. Like, how do you scale live events? Mm. Go from 1,000 to 5,000, the risk is higher. 5,000, 10,000, risk is even higher. 10,000, 100,000. Now you're going to make another festival, liability. Now it's raining on the day of the festival. Nobody comes. You're fucked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we're always going to do live and we're always going to yeah. push that live space. But like, I'm thinking about mad things, man. Like mm. Live is where we started and it gives you a good backbone on how to deal with pressure how to manage a lot of people, a lot of different kinds of people, a lot of egos, but yeah, that's always gonna be something we do. Yeah, and I think it's uh, amazing. I remember we had a conversation about a year ago, I think mm. it must have been, or, or around that time, where you talked previously about limitations of different formats, and obviously yeah, yeah. traditional formats are incredibly prohibitive in that way, but now when we're looking at the way that people are using NFTs and new types of technology of to extend the, you know, talk about intersection of technology and music now. Is that getting you excited in terms of where the future's going? If I'm honest, no. Okay. I'm, it gets me excited in a commercial, not excited, it gets me curious in a commercial aspect, right? Because it's like, cool, you know, there's ways to interact with people and get, get them to engage on like mm -hmm. a global level at one point. But it's so impersonal. Mm. Like, there's just nothing. It's like, I can Zoom you, but it's not real. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, even meeting on Zoom is not the same thing. Yeah. Like, I'm, I am not excited in and of itself of business opportunities. Mm -hmm. That doesn't excite me. Like, changing how people think and why they think that way and creating very real human connection. Yeah. That's what makes me feel alive. Like, when you're in a room, like I was yesterday, um, with an artist called Quaker Asante, who's been building his career really organically and started with zero fans. And yesterday he had 800 people in the Amazing. room. And I f you feel the energy of people yeah. singing along and there's someone sweating on your shoulder, and someone yeah. dropping a drink on you. You're like, oh shit, <laughs> this is real. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I, I have to be honest. No, I'm not excited by people living online digitally. Yeah. Like, where's it going to go? In 25 years, what? Our kids will just be talking for... Oh, they'll never leave the house. They won't leave yeah, the house. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. I don't even, you know, it makes me question the bigger things. Like, what is it to be a person? Like, yeah. what, like literally, what is it? Is it just, like, my mind and I put on a headset and now I can be walking around and I basically have a body, ain't even a real body, it's a Sims body, mm -hmm. but I'm doing business, so it doesn't matter. The fuck? I mean, I think that's the way it's going. I'm not excited by it. I mean, I think there are, there's, with technology, there's two sides to it, right? Now, there are some amazing use cases I've seen of um, people who are like, in palliative care towards the end of their life, mm. getting on VR, VR glass, getting to go to Machu Picchu, which is what they always wanted to do. And like, when you look at that side of technology, obviously you can do some amazing things and get people amazing experiences. On the other yeah. hand, are we all just sitting at home, never leaving the house again, because I can get everything in one click to my door, mm. I can one click social interaction, I can one click love, Yes. soon enough so yes. there's two sides to it I think um, with a few other musicians that I've spoken to about this one of the things that excites them about the NFT space maybe is that they can in the way that they see it mm. build a connection with a wider fan base where they're where the fan base is being rewarded for their early support mm. and I guess they like that part but when you put it in that way of how does that compare to a live environment, that feeling of the room, seeing those 800 people together in one space, it's, it feels worlds apart. Also, I don't want my fans, I don't have any fans, <laughs> but if I'm a person, I don't want, <laughs> you're, you're, 
but like if I if as a person, like I want you to love what we're talking about. I just want you to love the music and the story and the 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 feelings that we're talking about. How am I connecting that to you have my mm. NFT and and I was an early supporter, therefore I get an extra two mm. percent every time he makes it. Fuck all of that. <laughs> I just like and the funny thing is, I'll yeah. probably use that model, you know, and I'm going to, so I talk about that, like using the world around us to, to better and push things forward. Because if I can monetize from that, then maybe I can invest further into yeah. life, and, yeah. you know, but like, do I care about it in and of yeah. itself? No, I care about authenticity. I care about feeling. I care about connection. I care about intimacy. Genuinely, that's actually how I live my life. Like, Love that. You, you've known me a long time, what now? 12 Fancy, years probably. yeah a long time yeah, like, yeah. i got the same people around me mm -hmm. come you're gonna come to a party you're gonna look up and say oh yeah there's tage oh yeah there's <laughs> i mean literally ran into you and tage exactly night, yeah. like <laughs> i don't like I, i'm so consistent yeah. in my love that i need to see that back from that's what i need i don't need to i'm not saying that's what anyone else should mm -hmm, do mm -hmm. but for me as a person what i need is like authentic intimacy from, yeah. from people and with people. And that's what makes you feel excited. Love that. It's an amazing answer. Um, tell me a bit about the Outernet series, because I've, I've seen yeah. this venue, like it's mind blowing. And like, you guys must have been one of the first, yeah, one yeah. of the first sets of-, of, of um, We're the first series there, 100%. Yeah, and I'm very so. proud of it. First series there. It's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> How did you pull it off? I mean, if there's anyone who's going to pull it off, it was going to be you, and that's what I know about you. You know but, what? We met the people that started the building okay. and we walked into the building when it was literally bricks and mortar. Like I'm talking, like just to explain it, right now it is a state of the art music venue and district with the craziest technology, all these like eight dimensional screens, two, 200 meters underground and it has this venue and it is like, you literally come out of Tottenham Court Road Station, you're there, right? It's like 10 second walk. Anyway, the, the people that bought the district bought the whole of Denmark Street. Oh, really? So I heard about this happening for a friend of mine who's, you know, he's quite high up in um, um, Live Nation. He said, you've got to meet the people. I think you're going to like the space. They're looking to program some interesting stuff and make sure that it benefits communities. Mm -hmm. So community, that's me. Let me go. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I met the, the owners of the space. They showed us the plans of what it was going to feel mm -hmm. like and look like. And they very much said, look, we know that we've come in and bought Denmark Street, which is a big part of music culture. So we want to make sure we keep that spirit and we don't alienate communities. We want to invite and make it feel inclusive. So we said, look, the f when you open, we want to run uh, a winter series of live music mm -hmm. of people that probably wouldn't have used or even heard of this venue before. Not just the talent, but the communities that surround the talent. Um, so we just organized, you know, four nights, four nights of iconic artists for us, people that were pushing the boundaries culturally in their own spaces. Um, so we had an amazing uh, artist called Mira May. Um, she's very, she's like an R&B soul singer who's, who's just really great at bringing together her community. And she's from Algeria and she represents that. Mm a lot, you know, it was part of her set design and it was her, part of her story, even Amazing. of the show. Um, then we had Lancey Foe, real weirdo, you know what I mean? So <laughs> East London, like the guy completely, is very one of one, 
you know, you have to see him. I'm not going to even bother explaining him. He's just out of this world. Like, but he's done amazing. Alien, like yeah. seeing his journey over the last couple of years is insane. Hundred percent. We're very blessed to be part of that journey, and he keeps inspiring a lot of our thought processes. Um, and then the final night was JME, who obviously is a founder of Grime Music, and and he has this pirate radio. Um, live radio station where he kind of brings all mm. the OGs from the game and you're not allowed to film anything. Even getting photos of it, he wasn't happy. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, like he wants it to be very in the moment. Amazing. Which is, you know, very reflective of, yeah. of what I like and what we stand for as a company at Caldex. You know, very real life experiences. And so we had those four nights and, you know, every night was sold out, amazing crowds, amazing communities. Everything went so smoothly and yeah, you know, next year we're looking to do seven nights. Amazing. Um, and bring that same sort of energy right in the middle of central London and, you know, the middle of Soho. And, and hopefully, yeah, we can keep bringing something special. That's, that is special because creating that in Tottenham Court Road, like next yeah. to the station, like it's something which, you know, mm. is such an amazing opportunity and being able to... You know, because I'm sure that venue is going to be around for a long time and be, I want to be part of that legacy. Yeah. Yeah, Well, you already are, right? You've done the first series. I was there first. Yeah. Yeah. I was there. 100%. No, but me and Ben, me and Ben had been percolating these ideas for years. So to be able to build that together, like, was was really cool. And the whole, our whole team were just so infused and proactive in getting it done. So I feel very blessed. Amazing. Amazing. Right. I've got five questions I ask everyone. Yes. Single biggest risk you've taken in your career or life, and what was the outcome? Um, telling my partner I love her, biggest risk. Um, because, How did it turn out? Amazingly, I, I, I love her. You know, it's very. That was like that was very difficult. I'm not. You know what I mean? That was hard um, because you know you're putting it all out there. It's real vulnerable. It's really. Yeah, it's a vulnerable moment when you have to say that and to mean it and know that that is the person that holds your hands, your heart in their hands. That's a mad move. So that was amazing. And how has it turned out? We've got a whole lifetime ahead to see, but uh, it's been beautiful and, and I love her loads and I'm very grateful. It's amazing. That's delivered like a true philosopher, I've got to say. It's honest. That's what it is, yeah. Okay. What is the thing you're most proud of? Um, I am most proud of the relationships I keep with my friends and family. I believe that I've got friends since I was like four years old. Um, And to be able to keep those people in my life in such a healthy way where we all love and support each other and, you know, have very real and authentic and um, honest relationships, that's, that's what I'm most proud of. Like the, the relationships I have in my life, like I, I can never be a, an unhappy man. I've got, that's it. Like, I'm most proud of that. And the work that we've all collectively put in to keep those relationships going, I think, yeah, that's what makes me proud. Okay, love that. What does it take to be successful? He's the most successful one. You should be telling me. I'm sitting here, man. You tell me. (laughs) What does it take? 
Self-awareness, courage, hard work, and an ability to dance. That's where I'm fucking up. That's yeah. where I'm fucking up. 100%. <laughs> but, but now I'm thinking that last one don't make sense. Yeah. You're killing it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, those four things, man. You've got you to know how to play, and you've got to be able to enjoy it. Um, and then all the other stuff, you've got to have courage. You know, you get a lot of rejection. You're going to have a lot of tough times. You're going to be down often. Mm. And you've got to keep going. And there's a lot of people who are going to get in your ear. You've got to have the courage to believe in yourself. And that's where that self-awareness comes from. Totally. Um, so, yeah, th those are the things I'd say for me. Maybe, maybe. I think, no, I think those are the biggest ones. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think just the point there you're making at the end as well, like, you're going to have so many people in your ear along the way. Right, people who love you as well, and they're coming from a good place. That's the tough part, yeah. That's the tough one, right? And it's not because they don't want to support, it's them giving their view on it. But it was Steve Jobs who said this is, you know, perseverance is 50% of success. 100%. Just, you know, literally just that characteristic, that attribute alone, yeah, yeah. that's what separates so many people. Because if you can keep going through those, those comments and those voices in your head, because often the voices in your head are not your voice. 100. It's things you picked up from elsewhere as well. 100%. Okay, um, two more questions for you. If you could do one thing differently in your career that you've done, like like if you career. could change one thing, or life, like yeah. if you could change one thing and do it differently, what would it have been? Well, I don't think I'm the guy to ask that question. I think, um, I don't really know. I, I, I just think that I'm on a constant learning mission and like, you know, the story we tell ourselves of ourselves is super important. You mm -hmm. know, like this Aaron Dutty Royce, like one of my favorite authors, she says that and like, I look back and any mistakes I've made, I've learned from or I've, you know, I've kept trying to learn. So if I could change anything, I don't know, man, nothing. I, I just say I'm happy. I got my friends and my family. so. I just want to keep learning and, you know, maybe I wish I could have adopted that mindset earlier in life, but what's that? Do you know what I mean? Like, nah, nah. nah. My last one for you. 15-year-old David walks in right now. Mm. What are you telling him? Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> just calm down. I was getting it scraps all left, right and center. You know what I'm saying? I was just, I was just activated. I'd just be like, chill out, man, just, and read quicker and, and more. And like, I was reading bare back then, and I wish I read even more, do you know what I'm saying? But like, just calm down, like, it's all right. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be so active, G. Amazing. I just seen him walking, and I was just like, <laughs> you, I it took you one man. second. I literally just, I was like, bro, just calm down. That's yeah. so funny. You, you, you sat on a lot of those questions. <laughs> Soon as 15 year old David's in here, straight away. I, was, I saw him buffing his head, like, with my attitude. I was just like, calm down. Amazing. Yeah. Right, anything you want to plug? Um, what do I want to plug? Look, uh, we're called CloudX. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Google, any of those places. But um, whatever you're doing, just keep going. Um, be, honest, be honest with yourself. Be honest with other people. And try and enjoy life and not take it too, too seriously. Amazing. David, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.